This is their new hoax. But, you know, we did something that's been pretty amazing. We're all feeling the impact of coronavirus. Today, Qantas stood down 20,000 people, and, of course, they're joining a long list. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Welcome to Nursing Review's new podcast. Each episode, we'll look at a different aspect of the pandemic, tackling myths, talking research, and keeping you informed. Right, and then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost... My name is Connor Burke, and this is the Nursing Review Coronavirus Podcast. The coronavirus outbreak in Melbourne, and now spreading to New South Wales, has thrown the nation's seemingly smooth recovery from COVID-19 up into the air. Lockdown measures are being reinstated, and we're now having conversations about how we will live with this virus long term, and how we will deal with more and more spot fires. Nowhere are these conversations more fractured than over the use of masks by the public as a measure to slow the spread of the virus. Masks have now been made mandatory in Melbourne, and are selling out everywhere, But there is debate about their efficacy, and mixed government messaging is compounding the confusion. Joining me to discuss mask use in Australia is the editor-in-chief of the Medical Journal of Australia, Professor Nick Talley. Nick, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Good to be here. Nick, first off, what is your position on mask use in the fight against COVID-19? Well, look, mask use alone is not the answer, but I do believe that adding masks to social distancing and uh, hand hygiene and uh, so forth is critically important. The, the evidence supports it and it needs to be widespread. The real issue is if only a few people wear masks, little public health benefit. If most people wear masks when they're out and about in outbreak areas, there is good evidence there's added real benefits, significant benefits. Mm-hmm. Now, the situation is very fluid, changing all the time. Uh, currently, the 23rd of July, masks have become mandatory in Victoria from today, um, or Melbourne, rather. Um, Nick, why is there such kind of anger and confusion over the use of masks? Not here, but worldwide. Well, look, I think it is, has been, there have been confusing public health messages. To be honest, the data was not clear at the beginning of this new virus. It behaves a little bit differently to other similar viruses. So it's been difficult to know what should be the best advice. And indeed, some people still don't believe masks add very much value. But the bulk of evidence really does and, and has firmed up to support use of masks. There, there's lots of both direct and indirect evidence, and I think that's part of the problem. Uh, as you say, in, in, in Victoria now, mask use is recommended all around the state, to the best of my knowledge, but in Melbourne and uh, related areas where the outbreak is, it's compulsory. Mm-hmm. I would argue in New South Wales, with its uh, uh, continued uh, bubbling along of, uh, of cases, which is very worrying, uh, use of masks in Sydney in the outbreak area would be um, uh, pretty reasonable, widespread use. Mm -hmm. I do want to touch upon that again, but I want to talk a little bit more about the messaging. I mean, um, we've seen governments around the world have been loath to ask for their use, and it only seems kind of after months and months. And then, you know, here especially, there's been mixed messages. Um, In New South Wales, they said teachers can wear them, but, you know, don't wear them. 
wear them when you can social distance, but otherwise don't. Um, the public um, health messaging, uh, is there any other kind of area of public health messaging that has been so mixed and poor? Doesn't that kind of undermine the rest of the nation's efforts? Well, I think it's certainly not been ideal. And I would have argued, you know, consistency really matters. Keeping it as simple as possible really matters. The, the, the data is pretty clear and, and the modelling's clear. If, if 70, 80 percent of the population wear masks and masks are about 70 percent effective, which is round about what the data says. This is cloth masks now, not, not um, medical masks. Mm. Uh, then, indeed, uh, you know, it really makes a very significant significant difference to transmission um, according to the information that we have. So uh, again, the messaging needs to be, look, as many people as possible need to wear masks. Uh, when you're out and about from home, it's really valuable to wear masks. Schools are a, a complex issue, but where possible, yes. Um, uh, one could argue wearing masks in that setting where you're in enclosed spaces for prolonged periods, in rooms together for prolonged periods, that would reduce transmission. Transmission. It's not the only piece of this. The social distancing remains so critical, mm. but but masks promote social distancing, <laughs> and that's one of the value adds of masks. It's not just the physical barrier, mm. although the physical barrier is important. And then one other point to make is masks work primarily, mostly, in the most powerful way for preventing an infected person transmitting, less so for preventing you from catching it. So mm. if the infected people aren't wearing masks, there's a real problem even if you are. Mm -hmm. So that's the message. I mean, this is a conversation now that has been rumbling on since the very early days that um, kind of coronavirus hit our shores. Why is the science so divided? We've we've used P uh, masks and PPE for infectious diseases for a very long time. They're widespread in, in medical uh, circles. So, so why is the science divided? Well, I, I think, that, you know, there was some evidence uh, that was presented, although it wasn't very um, strong evidence, that masks may not be, standard cloth masks may not be preventative really or very useful. Um, and this was cited as, as evidence you shouldn't promote mask use. Um, that's all changed with, with, with more information and more data from areas where the outbreaks have occurred and mask use has been applied, as well as all the modelling uh, that's being done uh, and, the, and the information on aerosol transmission or potential aerosol transmission of the virus. So I think, I think it's fair to say that with a new, a new outbreak, there was confusion. But, but, I, but I must admit, as I think back on this, yeah, we've used masks in medical settings you know, for a long time when mm. we wear them for very good reasons, to protect ourselves and protect our patients yeah. um, from, from infectious diseases that we can transmit through um, talking, coughing, sneezing, etc. And this is no different. That's exactly how this virus spreads, we believe, in most cases anyway. Mm -hmm. Although sometimes it's, there, there is virus in stool. We don't know what that means, yeah. but, but, um, but we do know that's the case as well. So it, it's possible there are other ways it could transmit too, but, but frankly, it's, it's mostly you know, respiratory. Mm. Well, it's interesting you, you brought that up because I don't know if you've seen some social media things going around about mask use. And there was one that I saw early on, which kind of made sense to me as a layman. And it was um, the idea of someone wearing trousers and peeing themselves versus peeing themselves with no trousers on um, and you know 
the person next to you is going to get pee on on them if you're wearing no trousers. But if you're wearing trousers, you're only going to get it on yourself. It, it, um, it's, it's not a bad analogy. <laughs> and I think of the HIV epidemic analogy, you know, where, where condom use was recommended. And in fact, there was a federal government uh, in Australia uh, campaign to promote this. And while that wasn't popular in all quarters, no doubt that saved a lot of lives. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's somewhat similar. And again, people, you know, need to need to hear the clear messaging. And I, I hope the messaging gets clearer um, because I still think there's a little bit of confusion. Mm. I'm thinking as well of Asian nations. They've embraced masks long before this. When, when people are sick, as a matter of courtesy for society, you see um, Asian nations, people in their, in their societies going around with masks on. Um, why do Western nations struggle with this idea? Well, I think it is cultural. You know, lots of behaviours are cultural. And, and we're not used to wearing masks in public. That's not um, something that, you know, we've seen in Australia since probably uh, the uh, Spanish flu epidemic, which was a long time ago and well before any of us uh, were around. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably the explanation. And, and you're quite right. In, in other parts of the world, this is, this is normal and indeed well, well accepted. As I said, masks alone are not the answer. You know, mm-hmm. it's very much about you know a combination of strategies but if you can combine the strategies and masks are part of that i think it can make a real difference and i hope in victoria it will I think something that was interesting today on the news, as I said, um, given that today is the first day masks are mandatory in Victoria, um, was that when you're running, you don't have to wear masks. And quite a few people are maybe upset by that because I guess in theory, your breath, um, your droplets, spittle, whatever else might come out uh, more so if you're running. Um, what do you? What is your view on masks and running? Well, I, I think all I can say is I hope the runners stay well away from each other. It's, it's a matter of being well away. The good thing about running out outside is there's you know the air moves the air moves and that brings the droplets down the micro droplets down very quickly and there's some experiments about open windows and uh, you know the the ventilation in a room being helpful Uh, it's the problem is if you're running inside a gym um, that's a problem because mm-hmm. there there could be droplets in the air staying there for even hours potentially, um, and that's a risk to others if you're infected. So running indoors could be very problematic. Uh, it must be hard to run with a mask. I must say I run, and running with a mask is, w- w- would, I think, be hard. Mm-hmm. But I think if you do run, you need to run by yourself and well away from others. Mm-hmm. Physical distancing really matters in that setting. Is this only an argument because numbers in Australia up until now have been comparatively no, low in uh, to other nations? If we had larger numbers, would we have embraced masks earlier? Well, look, I think in the March-April initial uh, wave of infection, most of it was from return travellers. It was easier to isolate, easier to test and trace in, in that sense. There was limited community transmission. We didn't really have a big community outbreak, although we were fearful there might have been that we were missing. But it looks to me like, in fact, we had limited community outbreak. 
this is the real first wave we're having now. This in Victoria and probably New South Wales, this is where there's really serious community transmission. And this is why now masks make sense. You could have argued uh, at the last lockdown, uh, perhaps not required. And in hindsight, which is always the easiest tool to apply, in hindsight, I think that's right. But this time, to me at least, based on the evidence that I've seen, uh, it, it would be very sensible for as many people as possible in outbreak areas. That's in Victoria and New South Wales right now, mm -hmm. in outbreak areas to wear masks. And if, if most people comply, it'll, it'll make a difference with the other mm -hmm. strategies. Um, now, the last question, and I, I imagine for a lot of nurses listening, they might already have a good idea. But what should people look for in an everyday mask? Well, look, um, obviously, uh, you know, a, a surgical mask is, is, is better than a cloth mask, probably, and an N95 mask is better than a surgical mask. But for community uh, situations, it's going to be some kind of cloth mask that people are going to have to use. The recommendations are it be multi-layered, at least three layers. Um, it have a water-resistant fabric, if possible. Um, uh, it also needs to be dry and clean. So you can make these out of out of um, out of uh, t-shirts or socks or other materials and there are videos online to teach you how to do this there are groups making uh, cloth masks with the characteristics I just described that are good quality that you can purchase you can also purchase um, you know, medical masks too although one always worries about supplies running out if that becomes um, uh, you know uh, more problematic with with transmission over mm -hmm. time so yeah look I, I think that they're the characteristics of a, of, a, of a good mask, but anything over your face probably helps. You know, it's almost it's almost at that stage. And of course, the key thing is to put it on, wash your hands before you put it on, wash your hands after you put it on, and when you get home, take it off uh, carefully and wash your hands again. You know, protect yourself from self-infecting. That's obviously key. And wash it every day if you're using a cloth mask. Um, don't go out in a dirty cloth mask um, that, or a wet cloth mask because that's not a, a, you know, probably going to be as effective or safe. Well, Nick, as the editor of MGA, I'm sure you're going to get a glut of mask-related research papers coming your way at some point in the near future. Um, and that I, is correct. <laughs> and I hope to have you back on to, to hear about them uh, then. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for your time. Thank you.